So let's dig right into the challenge. So, you know, uh, recently, uh, a whole lot of people got sent home from work because of COVID-19. It's not safe to have big groups together. This is happening all over the world. And they're, you know, they're expected to continue uh, working, working remotely. But now uh, they're, they're working on home networks with residential internet connections and whatever Wi-Fi network they have uh, put together. And they're still using the enterprise applications they've they used uh, at work on that nice, you know, polished, high performance enterprise network that you put together on at at uh, at at the buildings and sites that you manage. Uh, those applications work great, but at home, who knows? Um, uh, so, you know, uh, clearly there will be performance issues, and uh, and unfortunately, you have very little visibility into those networks um, outside of you know going through a, a sort of help desk uh, script uh, with one of your end users um, that's experiencing problems. But we gotta we gotta make it work, right? I mean, the global economy needs people at work, needs uh, uh, jobs getting done, and uh, we gotta keep the ship afloat. Um, so that's the challenge right now. And um, you know, if we look at what's going on in home Wi-Fi networks, uh, you know, some of the some of the uh, major problems are that they're using consumer grade equipment, which is no surprise. You know, it's low cost. That's what you pick up from the store when you when you go to buy things. It's only uh, you know geeks like me that run enterprise uh, class uh, hardware, uh, network hardware at home. A lot of people just use the um, router with a built-in AP that came from their ISP. And uh, you know that kind of stuff isn't capable of delivering the same level of performance that enterprise class gear can. They also are using an internet connection that's really best effort. It's not, uh, you know, it's it's inexpensive uh, compared to a, a business grade uh, connection uh, because the ISP isn't giving guaranteeing the sa same level of performance. Um, there's no quality of service. Um, there's no bandwidth guarantee. Um, and uh, and further. You know the design, the network design at, at at most homes. If you're not a network engineer or work in IT, is often just uh, you know fiddle around with things until you can get a web page to load, and then it works. You're done. So you know that's good enough to make connectivity work, but often uh, is 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 the cause of performance issues. So let's dig in a little further. Uh, I want to show this is a this is a uh, scary looking AP and router from Asus, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on them a little bit, but they're certainly not the only uh, vendor that that's doing things like this. And and I also want to make sure that you realize I'm not here to pick on end users. They're not network engineers or wireless engineers. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of buying into some of the things that are being marketed towards them, and uh, you know. Many of those things are not great um, when it comes to working from home and and actually achieving really good Wi-Fi performance. 
So here's this box from ASUS, the ROG Rapture. What a name. And here are some of the features it has. Um, and this, this is being marketed uh, um, for home users. And I just want to go through some of these features and explain how uh, many of them could be a problem for Wi-Fi performance and while working from home, right? And, and ASUS isn't the only one with uh, things like this, but um, uh, we'll, we're just using them as an example. So first of all, here's an AP that has three radios in it, two 5 gigahertz and one 2.4 gigahertz radio in it. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a home network that needed a three radio AP. Also, those APs are gonna be using very wide channels. So if there's anyone else in the area, any homes nearby or, oh man, I hope this isn't in a, in a uh, dense apartment complex, they're just gonna be stepping all over the spectrum and, and causing interference um, and experiencing interference uh, from neighboring networks. So that's a problem. Uh, this, uh, the radios support the DFS band, which is nice. I, I certainly appreciate that feature, but for an end user, they don't understand that they're sharing the spectrum with uh, weather radar. And um, if there are uh, DFS hits, their AP is gonna start changing channels regularly. Um, and some of those channel changes will require a 60 second silent period where it's the AP stops uh, transmitting altogether. And users don't know that. They just, you know, they just believe what whatever um, the marketing on the side of the box tells them about. WT Fast is some weird gaming kind of VPN that's not good if you're already using a VPN and it's not gonna help you with your business applications. So don't use that. Adaptive QoS, right? This is this, you know, application layer quality of service where it's trying to uh, identify different applications on the Wi-Fi and prioritize things that way. You know, if you've been around for a while, you've, you've probably seen this fall down and break things, even in really expensive enterprise networks. So in consumer grade um, gear where stuff is built, you know, to the cheapest spec possible, what's the chances that this is actually gonna work really well? You know, it's more likely that it could step on some of your enterprise applications and cause some really strange behavior. Uh, mesh networks, um, uh, you know, use more spectrum uh, by design uh, than other networks. There's nothing wrong with that. Mesh is a fine way to uh, create a home network, but, um, you know, it, it could cause an issue with running out of spectrum, particularly in the 2.4 gigahertz band. And then we have uh, another layer seven tool, this time for security purposes. And this one, you know, is, is particularly scary because now we're getting into the possibility that, uh, you know, using application recognition signatures, we're gonna start blocking traffic. And, you know, who knows what, what this box is gonna think of your uh, internal enterprise applications that it's probably never seen before. So, you know, it would just be so much better to have something simple and reliable uh, that just works uh, rather than a box like that. So this is the kind of stuff where 
you know, you're going to see at home. And then if you get into some of the way home networks are designed, man, this is for me, uh, this is a Pinterest board where someone uh, 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 sharing ways to hide away your your home router, you know, your wireless router. And look, it's in it's in boxes. It's under the shelf. It's behind the, the monitor. It's hidden back in the closet. And <laughs> I certainly understand the aesthetic uh, concerns, but this is really bad for Wi-Fi performance. And now your enterprise applications are dealing with networks that that work this way. You know, one you know one positive trend here is a is particularly around those mesh products. They're they're being designed many of them to be aesthetically pleasing to try and convince people to you know put that mesh node you know right out in the open put it on you know somewhere where where uh, you've got line of sight and it's not you know behind a mesh of power cables and uh, you know sitting in a filing cabinet or some uh, terrible scenario like that um, so um, so there is uh, there is some hope from that. Um, so some of the typical things we do to troubleshoot home Wi-Fi, um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of it is, uh, is it comes down to, again, we have a lack of visibility. So there's a lot of amb ambiguity about what's going on. But, you know, you have that conversation with the end user and they say, yeah, I put my, my router, uh, uh, you know, behind the refrigerator. And uh, for some reason, uh, my Skype call stinks. Well, you know, move that router closer, get it out in the open, uh, and try again. Okay, so, you know, we're 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 getting better there, but we still actually don't know what the signal strength is on the client. That's where Mobileye can come in and and really provide more certainty there. Then there's the tried and true uh, unplug it, plug it back in. You know, have you restarted? which, uh, <laughs> you know, is often, a, a you know, it's a mantra for us in IT, but for end users, uh, it can be frustrating to hear those things. You know, it kind of reminds me of calling a, a cable company tech support and having to go through the script with them every time you, you think there's an issue. And that's one of the things they'll, they'll make you do. Uh, and we all know um, <clears throat> about the level of customer satisfaction that, that those guys have, but, you know, you can't you can't blame them. We're flying blind. We're kind of making best guesses and 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 going through scripts because we don't have good data. So the other question you want to know is how fast is your internet connection, right? Because if you're, you know, if you've got an end user sitting out there on a 768 kilobit per second DSL uh, connection, yeah, they probably might struggle with video conferencing software, especially with the kids at home streaming Netflix right now. So certainly that's a, an issue that, that comes up. Um, and then, you know, you can try if you've got someone that's really patient and willing to go along with you to talk them through uh, going into the command prompt and in, in Windows, for example, uh, trying to ping for instance, uh, Google's public DNS to verify uh, internet connectivity and then uh, run more commands to look at the system configuration and, and the IP addresses. And that's a way to approach it and you can get some good data from it, but you're not gonna have historic 
historical data. And uh, certainly going to take up a lot of time and energy without any guarantee that you're going to, uh, to get a resolution. So that's where Mobileye comes in. That's where you know, we get more certainty and clarity about what's going on. Mobileye, um, like Don mentioned, is a software agent um, that runs on Windows, Mac OS, and Android. And it's collecting Wi-Fi data from those machines and uh, in the background, and, and then it is presented on a web dashboard for your network team or help desk to look at and observe the problems that the machines encountered. Because it runs on that endpoint, it doesn't, it doesn't, they don't have to be on your enterprise network for you to have visibility. They can be anywhere. And so, um, you know, with that, let's jump into a demo and I will show you some of the cool stuff we can do with Mobileye to help you with those remote users. So let's jump over here and share my screen. Awesome. I can see your screen, Jim. Thank you, Don. So this is a, a look at the Mobileye dashboard. And we're just looking at one client here. Let's come back to this because the first thing I want to show you is the configurability here. One thing we can do over here on the right is we can specify which SSIDs we want to collect data from while our clients are connected to them. And a lot of our customers have uh, configured this, so they only get data from their corporate SSIDs. But we can also uh, toggle this menu here to um, start collecting data from any SSID they're, um, a, a, an end user is on. And people are starting to flip that switch so they can get visibility into those home Wi-Fi networks where people are working now. You know, they're not just going home and doing a few emails in the evening. They're doing uh, webinars live across uh, the world like we're doing right now uh, from home. And so they're toggling the switch to test on every single Wi-Fi network. So when we go back and look at this machine, and this is, we're just looking at one machine here. This is a Windows laptop. We're seeing data from any network he's been connected to. And we've got his signal strength over time, the data rate he's transmitting at. Look at those nice high 802.11ax data rates, pretty cool. His roaming history, I like to dive into the data and, and just look at it, look at it raw, but I'll show you how to look at the problems as well. We can see what channel and band he's connected to and the, the SSIDs he's connected to. So we can see when he's when he's at work and when he's at home. And we've got a lot of great uh, inventory details about his machine too. So for the network team that usually can't see this kind of info, they can tell, oh, you know, you've got this adapter. Let's see if there's a driver update for it, because we can see that here as well. And, and even we track changes there. So I can see that, hey, actually on March 3rd, uh, he got a new adapter. That's why we see those nice uh, Wi-Fi 6 data rates in use. So we can track that as well. But more to the point about, um, you know, what we're finding and, and what to look for for those work from home users, there's really a lot here that can be helpful. So one of those things is roaming problems. 
it's more common to have multi-AP mesh networks at home now. Um, and so you need a device that's gonna be roaming between those effectively. You know, maybe you're downstairs hanging out with the kids and you gotta take a conference call up. Uh, so you go upstairs into the back bedroom to get away from them. And for, for you to have good Wi-Fi performance, your laptop has to roam to that nearer AP. So we can look at roaming performance and, and discover issues. Here's a roaming problem uh, that this laptop's had on our corporate network. But look at this. He's also had roaming problems on his home network. Uh, Momo Go Boom. I think that's the name of his cat, if I'm correct, uh, Don. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what the hashtag right. is. He's a big cat guy. But, uh, uh, but you can see... You know, he had a serious Wi-Fi performance issue because his signal strength was so low, minus 81 dBm. So right away we see that. We don't need to get on the phone with him and try and walk him through discovering that number for us. But we know even more that, that he had another AP at minus 59 dBm. He didn't have a coverage issue. Uh, there wasn't a problem with his internet connection and there weren't any problems with our application servers he was he was working with. The problem was his machine didn't roam to his other mesh AP. So maybe we need to change the roaming aggressiveness of that adapter, or maybe we need to look for a driver update because new adapters often have uh, issues with their roaming algorithms when they're first released. So that's a really handy thing to, to discover. And you can see by the timestamp exactly when it occurred so if they're calling the help desk and saying, yeah, you know, on March 3rd, um, early in the morning, I had really bad uh, network performance, what's going on, right? And this is one of those work from home users suddenly you have to support. Now you know what's what, what the issue was. Of course, coverage issues are a significant problem in home networks too. And we can distinguish between those and times when uh, there was a roaming candidate and the machine should have roamed. So here's an instance, you know, when he was uh, somewhere else in the house and only was in range of one AP and had low signal strength. So uh, we can see that over time as we scroll through these issues and see when they occurred. Similarly, uh, congestion. So now we're getting uh, potentially uh, passed with just Wi-Fi issues, but here we're looking at a, a problem we identified where throughput was low. So Mobileye doesn't just collect Wi-Fi stats, but it can also run a series of active tests, including a throughput test. And here we got a, a test result that was low, 1.7 megabits per second, which, um, you know, that's, that's on the low end. Now we also know that his data rate and signal strength were nice and healthy. So the next question, of course, is where was that bottleneck that caused the throughput to be low? For a work from home user, that could be their internet connection, or it could be the Wi-Fi, um, or it could be you know something further upstream. Maybe your uh, your uh, the firewalls where your VPN uh, sessions are terminated are just you know getting hammered. But here we can see we've captured the channel utilization uh, of the channel that uh, uh, this client's operating on and we've, 
we can see it's at 91%, which is just through the roof. Uh, Wi-Fi by itself usually can't even achieve channel utilization that high. So um, clearly throughput issue here caused by a just totally saturated channel um, in the RF. And, and you know to put a finer point on that, we can see at the time he was using channel 11 and the 2.4 gigahertz band, which as we know, there are a lot of things in 2.4 gigahertz that could be causing interference and chewing up uh, airtime. So it could be neighboring networks, or it could be, you know, he, it, you know, it was 11:30 at night. Maybe he turned on the microwave to make a, you know, a nice snack for himself and one of his cats. Who knows? Uh, but there's all sorts of potential reasons why that could go up. And a good, you know, good way to get around this would say would would be to say let's uh, let's reconfigure your machine to prefer that five gigahertz band, or even look at the router itself. Uh, uh, that has the wireless configuration and see if we can uh, uh, set it to five gigahertz exclusively or you know make those changes where more users will use five gigahertz more than two four um, so you know again we're getting really close to root causes where without this you know we're we're pretty much flying blind we talked about co-channel interference being a problem, and certainly in denser home environments, it can be. Uh, here are some issues, just as, as an example, that uh, we've seen at our headquarters, but of course this can happen anywhere, where we've got two APs using the same channel uh, when uh, it would be better if they were using um, separate channels and then uh, dividing up the contention domains but instead they're using the same channel. And we know this is a significant problem because we're checking the average channel utilization and it's up above 50%. So that's gonna be bad, especially if they're using, you know, real-time applications like, uh, like voice over Wi-Fi, this is gonna be problematic. So we can fix this by suggesting changing to another channel um, and, and, uh, and and using something, a channel that's free. And we can scroll through these and see, you know, here's some instances where the channel utilization was not so bad. So we just call that a warning and not a critical event. We can also look at adjacent channel interference where, you know, it's even worse than CCI. This is where um, APs are partially overlapping. And in home networks and the 2.4 gigahertz band, you know, you always get that neighbor that's put their AP on channel four with a 40 megahertz wide channel and they're just destroying the whole band. So this will pick up on that uh, and, and help you discover if, if that's going on there as well. But then, you know, outside of Wi-Fi, we can measure the performance of your clients and of the, the availability to your enterprise application servers with the Mobileye agent. So I mentioned that we run a ping and web download and throughput test, but let's look at some of these things. So here are examples where um, he couldn't even ping his gateway. This is on a test network of ours. Uh, but also if we browse through these, and actually let me update this to a different period of time. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. This is an 
an instance where he was unable to ping this Skype for Business virtual IP address. So if your organization is using Skype for Business, you can customize Mobileye so your uh, clients are testing the availability of that application from whatever network they're on. Maybe his you know, router is doing some layer seven voodoo and it's stepped all over the, uh, uh, the connectivity to this, to this IP address for something, for some reason. Or maybe not, but this, you know, when these, this tells us, yeah, certainly something's problematic here that needs to be addressed. And we can look at the latency there too. So we're looking at latency here. So Skype for Business needs 60 milliseconds or less of round trip time to have acceptable performance. That's their published spec. That's hard to do on a residential uh, network. And here we can see one of those instances where the latency to that Skype server was huge, half of a second. That's really gonna cause a really painful uh, voice call where you're, you know everybody's talking on top of each other uh, because those normal pauses become really long pauses because of the latency. So we can test that. You know, we've got Skype for Business here as an example, but if you've got other servers, even internal servers, um, uh, that you want to test against that they have uh, that they can reach, we can configure those can be configured as well. And then again, throughput issues. You know, here are some throughput issues where. Um, you know, his throughput is kind of marginal, two, three, four megabits per second. Um, you know, if, you know, again, if he's in a, if, if he's doing a video conference and uh, one of his kids starts streaming Netflix, there's not a lot of headroom here uh, to, uh, to allow for acceptable performance. And if we look at the upload side, you know, we've got some really awful results. And this is very common in home networks. You know, they'll have very limited upload bandwidth. And here, you know, less than half a megabit per second, this is really gonna be a problem for some of your enterprise apps that um, he's relying on. But again, this is a transient condition. And uh, if he calls the help desk and waits for you, you know, for a call back and you go, you manage to get them online and, and, and uh, get them to run like a speed test, you know, you might not see this. This was transient, it just happened um, uh, for a few moments last night and kind of, oh wow, look at that one. That's really bad. Uh, and, and, and it comes and goes. So you really need to catch it in the act or have a tool like this that's capturing historical data so you can comb through it and see when those periods of low throughput occurred. So very handy. Then our web download tests, we can point at uh, any of your web applications and test their reachability and performance as well. We just got google.com here as an example. But again, this is, a, this is one way just to reactively troubleshoot a, a work from home user. Uh, and there's a lot here but we can get proactive too. We've got a report called our Wi-Fi report, and it shows all the SSIDs that people are using um, since we've configured this to look at everything and what uh, and who's have who, who's had issues. So I can scroll through here and see all the different SSIDs 
of course, my home SSID hasn't had any problems, Don. Uh, but I, if there were, I, I can see the, yeah, <laughs> I can see the clients associated with it, and drill in and see who they are. So I could bring up this SSID. This is a corporate SSID, but home SSIDs will look the same. See what machines are having issues and and what issues they are, and drill into that. Similarly, we have some nice reports like our Wi-Fi problems by AP report, which will show us uh, which, uh, which APs have had issues and, and that'll show us a list, all the home APs that we're testing against as well. And then we can drill in and see what those issues are. We can sort by issues, see who the users on those issues are. And it's our uh, poor original example Kamuli, who's had issues on that AP. So there's an awful lot here to help out with, with uh, work from home users. And uh, I'll just go back to the slides now, Don. I'll make you presenter. And we'll just do a quick review. All right. And you should have control again. All right, you should see your key point slide. Yeah, so just a, you know, a few takeaways. Uh, you know, Mobileye helps you go from ambiguity to certainty about the Wi-Fi and network issues that your clients are, or your, your home, your work from home users are experiencing. You can see Wi-Fi problems, Wi-Fi performance, even issues like roaming that are client-centered. And then the end-to-end -end performance out to your applications is really key in validating that, that everything's working. So I know none of us, you know, none of us want to support home networks. Uh, for a long time, we were able to say that's not mine. It's not. It's you know they need to call their ISP or whoever to, to fix it. But you know we're in we're in a, a new a new period right now where everyone's kind of improvising and doing their best just to keep the businesses up and running. So uh, if you haven't been called for issues like this yet, you certainly will. So I would, my advice is start thinking about this now, take some of the tips I gave you today into consideration and, and get ready uh, for that call to come in. So with that, Don, uh, I think I'll uh, give it back to you then. That sounds good. Well, thanks, uh, Jim. Great uh, demo, great points on how to find and fix issues on your own without our products. And uh, we're gonna help you out today as well with a special offer. Um, for those of you who aren't customers, and we even have a special offer for customers as well. Um, so as we get into this Q&A section and as you're thinking through uh, what questions you want to ask Jim and I, um, just some food for thought here. We've got um, uh, an offer for all attendees today. Um, that's 50 Mobileye devices uh, for 50 days to help you get through um, the coronavirus scare and these remote worker challenges that we're all facing. So the URL to get that offer is go.7signal.com forward slash 50 for 50. Um, so go ahead and write that one down. Again, go.7signal.com forward slash 50 for 50. Fairly catchy phrase, wouldn't you say, Jim? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So Somebody smart came up with that. <laughs> right, right. I went to college, buddy. 
Um, so the, the customer offer is uh, not quite as catchy, um, but significant. So we're giving our customers a thousand licenses for 60 days, um, in addition to the licenses they own now to help them um, through this through these virus challenges um, above and beyond their mobile eye licenses. And we do have customers that just have um, Sapphire eye licenses. Um, so this will certainly help them through those challenges. So that URL is go.7signal.com forward slash 1000 for 60. So those are the two URLs. And if I can uh, have time to, to chat those into the chat box, I will do that. Again, go.7signal.com forward slash 1000 for 60 or forward slash 50 for 50. So um, as you guys were thinking through those questions, now I'll start uh, pulling those up. Uh, and I got, as I knew I would, some questions about getting a copy of the slides today and or a recording. We'll certainly do that. Uh, happy to do that uh, for you all on this webinar. So you'll get a copy of these, uh, the recording automatically. So uh, an email will go out with a recording. If you don't get it for some reason or if it ends up in your spam box, all you need to do is reply to any of the emails from me and, and I'd be happy to, um, to get you what you need. Um, so as we get into some of these uh, questions here, Jim, the first one I see is around Linux uh, and does Mobileye support Linux? You wanna talk to that one? Sure, uh, uh, we don't have a Linux agent today. Uh, but that is an active development, and uh, we're really looking forward to getting that out the door, uh, hopefully uh, not too far into the future. Yeah, absolutely, and we do have a workaround. So we do have customers who are using a mini PC with Mobileye installed on the mini PC. So um, that mini PC will act as the client, uh, and it'll give a good snapshot of the environment, um, certainly look for coverage issues and interference issues and things like that. Uh, so if you'd like more information on our offering for the mini PC, you can shoot me an email as well or contact your client executive and we'll get you that information. So a uh, question here, Jim, about installing the agent. It says, do you need to install something on the client device for this to work? You do. So this is a piece of software that runs on that client device. For Windows, it's just a background service. For Mac OS, it's just a, a daemon running in the background. Um, so there's no UI for uh, to, to bug your end users. Um, but we are, uh, you know, uh, enterprise friendly. You can push it out in Windows with Microsoft SCCM in bulk, uh, and with Mac OS, you can deploy it with an MDM tool like Jamf or something like that. Same thing for Android. You can deploy it with an MDM tool that way as well. All right, thank you, Jim. Next question here around pricing. Um, this may be covered later, but I'm an IT consultant. I'd like to consider this for my customers. How is this priced and is there a minimum commitment? So, <clears throat> so Justin, you can of course use this offer, uh, the 50 for 50 offer, which I'll uh, flash up again. Um, so to get you through this time crunch, but uh, after that, mobile eye is roughly $40 per device per year. So uh, uh, not a huge financial commitment and our minimum order is 100. So hopefully that helps you there, sir. Um, questions about versions for Mac, um, and uh, uh, Jim, do you want to talk through uh, different versions for Mac that we support? Sure. Uh, we support all versions of Mac OS X. I got a 
clarify Mac OS 10 because I'm old school and I remember nine and, and those older versions, but uh, Mac OS uh, uh, 10 through uh, Mac OS Mojave, we have full support. Mac OS Catalina, we have a couple bugs, the agent runs, uh, but we, we, uh, we need to iron out some issues with roaming analysis there, but you still get a, a lot of good data otherwise. So all the popular versions of Mac OS, um, it will run on. Thank you, sir. We've got uh, time for just one or two more questions here. Um, I'm going to talk to this v uh, VPN one. I actually asked Jim to talk to this as well. How do we get useful end-to-end -end information when the client system is connected to a campus VPN? Yeah, it, it sort of depends on on the nature of that VPN. So, with a you know a hardware appliance acting as a VPN server, uh, it's really transparent to us. Uh, we don't know if that VPN is up or down or if it's running, but obviously we can test if you can reach into your internal network with our tools. With software VPNs, um, uh, you know we uh, we sometimes need uh, to do a little bit on our end to to make that work a little bit better. Uh, but actually, you know, our developers right now are working through a couple of those those issues uh, with some VPN clients to make sure we're still getting test results that way. Uh, so we're getting those uh, those last few things with VPNs ironed out uh, here shortly. All right, another question here: How do you measure throughput? Do you do downloads from reference systems? Uh, oh, yeah. Download, etc. Good question. So we use a server called our sonar server it's a lot like an iperf server but it has more capabilities and we give that away free to our customers uh, and then we also have several sonar servers hosted out there on the internet by us that you can use as well and those come configured by default so our throughput test um, is terminated on that sonar server and it runs for five seconds and we just take the average throughput um, that we can achieve that way. Uh, it, I should also clarify, it uses HTTP as a protocol. So it's, you know, a little bit closer to real application throughput um, uh, by measuring it that way. You can also put one on your internal network, though, uh, if you wanted to test uh, performance to that network or to that data center where you're hosting applications. Thank you. Uh, keep these questions coming, folks. Uh, we've got a lot of questions here. I'll try and get to them all. Um, can we inspect beacons on home APs? Yeah, we do. We, that's where we are getting the, uh, for instance, the channel utilization and client uh, count for those APs. We get that from the QBSS information, QBSS load information element uh, in the beacon where the AP is actually measuring the channel utilization. Uh, we just, because obviously most uh, client adapters don't have that capability, we just take it from the beacon uh, at the time we're, we're uh, running our tests and report it that way. So we also, uh, you know, what else do we get from that? We get AP names and, um, and some other things where uh, we are parsing those uh, information elements. So, you know, if you have an idea for, uh, something you'd like to see, uh, shoot us an email and let us know because we are we are collecting a lot of info from those beacons. 
All right, time for just a couple more here. We're a little bit over time here, but uh, Neil's got some back-to-back -back questions. Uh, one with, um, uh, does it work with any wireless device provider? And I think Jim talked about the operating system, so I think we covered that one for you, Neil. The next is we currently use Meraki. Uh, so would this show all APs that uh, are roamed between? Yes, it will. And if your APs are advertising their AP names and their beacons, we'll show you the names of those APs as they roam instead of just the, the BSS ID, which is a MAC address. Um, so yeah, we're, we're fully compatible with Meraki APs. Um, question from Peter here around short durations. Uh, can you identify short interruptions about a second or so, uh, which typically experience internet radio uh, from their internet radio service? Oh, that's interesting. Um, our tests run uh, at an interval um, as often as one minute. So something that occurs within that minute, we would kind of see in the average that we take over that period of time. But if it's extremely brief like that, we it's possible we may not see it. Now, if that's a reoccurring issue, you will see that affect our test results um, over time. So um, it'll show up one way or the other.